Jesus was on His way to Jerusalem, and uh, on His way He stopped at a village, small village. And when He entered into this village, He came upon ten lepers. And the ten lepers, they cried out to Him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And you're probably familiar with the story. Jesus did in fact have mercy on them. He said, go show yourselves uh, to the priest. And on their way there, they were healed of their leprosy. And if you remember, nine of them just continued on apparently, and only one came back. One leper came back. Ten were healed, but only one came back. And so my question is, the one who came back, he came back praising God, and he came back falling before Jesus and thanking Him for what He's done, or what He did. So my question to you and to myself is, are you like the one who praises God, falls at Jesus' feet daily, thanking Him for what He's done, or are you like the other nine? Who I'm sure were happy Jesus healed them, Maybe they just didn't think to go back. Maybe they're so excited about being healed that they ran on to see family and friends that they hadn't seen for years because of their uh, leprosy. Or, or maybe they ran and they wanted to worship for the first time that they, you know, since they've been a leper. They were, they were excluded from worship. So maybe they ran and they wanted to worship. The truth is, it's easy for us to neglect thanks. I mean, we live in a life that is like a, a whirlwind. I mean, think about it. We run from this event to that responsibility to that opportunity, and we often forget all the blessings that we have received from God. We often forget about the family that we've been given. We often forget about the friends that we are uh, blessed with. We often forget about the church family that we are a part of. We often forget about what God has done for us. We run about our daily lives being blessed over and over, and yet forgetting to give thanks to the one who blesses us. There's a man, his name was uh, uh, Otha Anders. He lived in Louisiana, and he spent 45 years looking for something that no one else or most everyone else just kind of overlooked, ignored. This man spent 45 years picking up pennies. Every penny he found on the ground, he would pick up that penny. And at 73 years old, in October of 2015, he decided that he was going to take those pennies to the local bank. And so he took 15 five-gallon containers of pennies to the local bank. And he came up with a grand total of $5,136.14. It took the bank's coin machine five hours to count all this guy's pennies. But what is more impressive than uh, Mr. Uh, Anders' thriftiness is his thankfulness. This is what he said. He said, each new penny on the ground served as a prompt to give thanks to God. I became convinced that spotting a lost or dropped penny was an additional God-given incentive reminding me to always be thankful. He said, there have been days where I failed to pray, and more often than not, a lost or dropped penny would show up to remind me to pray, to give thanks. What if we looked for all the blessings each and every day and we gave thanks to the Lord? 
They did a research study uh, at Harvard. And in that research study, they, they, they came to the, the conclusion that we can train ourselves to be grateful. And so they took these people and they asked them to write down three things they were thankful for every day for just one week. So they had to be specific things. You know, I'm thankful for the Thai food I had last night. It was so delicious. Or I'm thankful that my daughter gave me a hug this morning. I really appreciated it. But they took those people... And they found that a month later, they just did it for a week, but a month later, they were much happier people. Those who gave thanks were much happier. They had much less stress in their life. Then they interviewed them three months later, and they found the same to be true. They were still happier, less anxious, less stressed out. Six months later, they came to them again, and still these people were without all the stresses that everyone else had, still happier because of this one-week uh, adventure they took in giving thanks. The researchers decided that, that what had happened was these people had essentially primed the pump in their minds of looking for the good in their lives, and because of that, they were constantly being thankful. They were constantly being thankful. See, Thursday is Thanksgiving. And, and to be quite honest, it is easy for me to give thanks when I'm sitting around a table with, that is overflowing with food that I love. You know, I can give thanks there. It is easy for me to give thanks when I'm sitting there with family and friends who, who I care about and who are laughing and joking and enjoying the day together. But the problem is, Thanksgiving should be in continuous activity of my life. It shouldn't be once a year remembering what God has done. It should be every day, every moment remembering what God has done. And it shouldn't depend on huge amounts of food. And it shouldn't depend on who is around us. Every day we should be thankful for what God has blessed us with. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, this is what it says, Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. All circumstances. All the time. God wants you to be thankful. Is that how you live your life? Are you a thankful, thankful person? Denzel Washington, two-time Academy Award winner, Best known for his roles in Glory, The Preacher's Wife, Remembering the Titans, Training Day. One of Hollywood's A-listers. But in the past few years, he's sounded more and more like a preacher. He has publicly stated that he reads his Bible every day and he strives to consistently, in his words, get up and speak of what God has done for him. In fact, he was talking in November of 2015 at a church banquet and he urged all the listeners there to live a constant attitude of gratitude for God's goodness. He said, give thanks for blessings every day. Embrace gratitude. Encourage others. It is impossible to be grateful and hateful at the same time. And then he said this, I pray that you put your slippers way under your bed at night so that when you wake up in the morning, you have to start on your knees to find them. And while you're down there, say thank you. A bad attitude is like a flat tire. Until you change it, you're not going anywhere. 
That's what I hope for us to do today. Not that you necessarily have a bad attitude, but that we turn every day into a day of gratitude. Really, regardless of circumstances, we are grateful for what God has done. So how do we live in this life of gratitude? How do we train ourselves to be people of thanksgiving? Well, if you want to, turn with me to uh, Psalm 103. That is where the text is for the sermon this morning. Psalm 103. David writes this psalm, and he starts off by saying this. The first two verses of Psalm 103, it's also on the screen. He says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With all my whole heart I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. The King James Version does it a little different, but I like it real well. So this is what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. David says, I will praise God with every part of my being because I will never forget what God has done for me. Are you a forgetful person? Or do you recognize what God is doing in your life even when trouble comes? Now just in case you have trouble remembering what God has done, David goes ahead and he outlines many blessings that God has done. These aren't all the blessings God has given us. These aren't an exhaustive list of every blessing. But David lists off some extremely important blessings this morning that I want you and me to look at. So if you will, look, at me, look with me at the next verse. Verse 3, He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. The first thing we need to recognize is that we need to thank God for forgiveness. Right? Let's all say that together. Thank God for forgiveness. I mean, seriously, without forgiveness, where would we be? We would be in a world of hurt. We need to thank God for forgiveness. This is where it all starts. Forgiveness is at the center of the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we would have to pay our own debt. Without Jesus, we would have to live in guilt every single day of our lives. Without Jesus, we would all be separated from God. But because of Jesus, we have found forgiveness. And that should transform everything about our lives. Every day we should get up thanking God, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. In fact, David thought so much of this that he mentions it twice more in this psalm. Verse 10, he says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Then verse 12, he says, He has removed our sin as far, as, uh, as far from us as the east is from the west. I mean, think about it. David's saying, hey, don't forget, you have escaped what you deserve. You've escaped it. And not only that, but God has removed those things as far as the east is from the west from you. Which, to be quite honest, is an immeasurable amount of distance. God has removed your sin from you an infinite distance away. You could never measure it. It is beyond our conception of how far God has removed our sins from us. And that is something to give thanks for. When was the last time you thanked God for being forgiven? When was the last time? Not just in a generic way, God, thank you for Jesus. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. But in a specific way, thank you, God, for forgiving me for doing whatever it is. You can fill in the blank. 
I'm not going to share my doing whatever it is. (laughs) But you all know what yours are. When was the last time you and I actually thanked God for forgiveness? P.P. Bliss put into music the writings of his close friend, Horatio Spafford. You'll be familiar with this. This is what Horatio Spafford said. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but in whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. I mean, what a powerful thought. Our sin has been forgiven. There is nothing to say thank, thank you God for more than I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Back in verse 3, he goes on and he says, He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. We ought to thank God for healing. Now if you would, say that with me. Thank God for healing. There you go. You got it. Now it's easy to immediately think to yourself, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa, whoa. Hold on here just a second. I'm struggling with fibromyalgia. How can I thank God for healing? Or I'm struggling with cancer. Or I'm struggling with MS. Or I'm struggling with heart issues. Or I'm struggling with all sorts of health issues. How can I thank God? I've not been healed. You know, that may be true for you and for me. But one day it will be true. We may not be healed yet, but we will be healed. You may not have found your healing at this moment, but you will be healed. If you are a Christian, you will absolutely be healed completely. And by the way, no matter what health issue you got, we all have a health issue. All of our bodies are deteriorating, and we're all moving toward death, every single one of us. We're all on that same track. So you better right now recognize, with Jesus Christ, there is healing, physical healing. But the truth is, I don't really think that's what David's talking about here. That is a truth. I don't think that David is talking about physical disease. I think David is talking about the disease of the heart and the soul. I think David is saying, hey, God has healed me from what makes my soul sick. He has healed me from from hatred. He has healed me from from malice. He has healed me from bitterness and stubbornness and self-centeredness. I think David is actually talking about the healing that is within that God provides for us. In fact, in Isaiah 53, verse 5, talking about Jesus, it says, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. Jesus heals our ills and our sin-sick souls as well. Truth is, this healing is essentially an extension of the forgiveness. When I recognize I'm forgiveness and give thanks for that, then that allows me to forgive others, which releases me from bitterness and and hatred and malice and selfishness and, and all those things that seem to attack our souls over and over and over again. You've been forgiven, and, and, and if you're a Christian, you've been healed. I mean, that's something to thank God for. 
But, but David doesn't stop there because he wants us to recognize what God is doing in our lives. So verse 4, he says, He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. We need to thank God for redemption. You got it. Thank God for redemption. See, you guys are getting it. You're getting a hold of this. I want you to understand, death no longer has a hold on me, and it should no longer have a hold on you. You do not need to fear death. You don't, not, you not, don't need to shy away from death. In fact, death is a graduation for the Christian from this life to life eternal. The, the perfect life that we're all looking for. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57, it says, Oh death, where's your sting? Oh death, where is your uh, excuse me, where's your victory? Oh death, where's your sting? For the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus redeemed us. He has given us victory over death. We, we don't have to fear that anymore. We've been, we've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We've been, we've been cured. Did you know there was an unused Titanic ticket? There was only one first class pa uh, passage that was booked that was not used. One. One single ticket was not used on the Titanic. That ticket was held by a Liverpool clergyman, John Stuart Holden. He was unable to make the trip because his wife fell ill on the day before the luxury liner's doomed voyage in 1912, where more than 1,500 passengers and crew died following the ship's collision with an iceberg. After the ship sank, Holden hung that ticket ticket in a cardboard frame on which he wrote. This is what he wrote on that frame. He said, Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Who redeemeth thy life from destruction? Not only did Jesus redeem us from death, but He redeemed us from the old life of sin. The life of sin that led to death. He, he redeemed us from the pit of despair, the pit of sinfulness, the pit of destruction. You and I have been redeemed from those things, and He's replaced those things with life. A life that is now, and a life that is for an eternity in God's presence. You and I have been redeemed. That means we live a life that is different than anyone else's life than all the rest of the world's life. We live a life that is redeemed. We no longer are bound by the, the pit of our old life and the fear of death. But we have been freed from those things. And David wants you to know it. And so in this psalm, he praises God for those things. But verse 4 doesn't stop there. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. Thank God for love and tender mercies. Say it with me. Thank God for love and tender mercies. 
I added tender. It's not on there, but it's in my Bible. So. When you hear the words love and tender mercy, what does that mean to you? Love and, and tender mercies. I, I looked at that and I studied it and I let it sink into my brain and, it, and it, I perused it for, for the entire week thinking, what does love and tender mercies really speak to you, Todd? I think it's a powerful way of communicating just how much our Heavenly Father cares for us. I, I think it is an expression of int intimacy sharing with us this knowledge that God loves us so much that daily He renews his mercy for you and me. In fact, in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, it says the faithful love of God never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. That word afresh, or in some versions, that word new. That word in Hebrew is hadas. And it means something that you have never before experienced. Which means today's mercies are different than yesterday's mercies. And different than the day before yesterday's mercies. And every other day of your life's mercies. They are different. They are different. They are new. There's a new strain of mercy offered to you every single day of your life. In fact, you can try this exercise after today or later today, but figure out how many days old you are. How many days old you are. For instance, by the time you're 21, you have experienced 7,665 unique mercies from God. By the time you hit midlife, you've experienced 14,600 unique mercies from God. By the time you hit retirement age, you have received 23,725 mercies from God. New mercies. Different mercies. Unique mercies for that day, for that moment in your life. Each day of life should remind us again and again and again of who loves us and how much He loves us. He, he doesn't just say, I love you, and leave it at that. Every single day, He demonstrates His love to you in a different way than the day before. Different mercy than the day before. Thank God for love and mercy. One last thing I want us to look at this morning is it found in verse 5. David says, He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. Thank God for filling my life. Say it with me. Thank God for filling my life. Filling my life. Filled with good things, David says. David says, being a child of God is satisfying to the soul. Being a child of God provides us what makes life good. That's what he says. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 17, what is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the, thief purpose, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. And in fact, the, the verse that David quotes in this verse is found in Isaiah 40, verse 31, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not 
faint. They're all, they're all uh, speaking of a, a, a renewal, an abundance, a fulfilling life that we find only in God. You can live every single day of your life outside of God's kingdom, outside of the love of Christ, and you can think that you're satisfied, but you never will be. You will always look for something more. You will always desire something more. You will always strive for something more. Or someone more. Only when you come to God do you find fulfillment. Only when you recognize who He is and what He's done do you find fulfillment. There is a God-shaped hole, in my opinion. In Ecclesiastes, it referenced that. There's a God-shaped hole in your heart that only can be filled by God. He's the only one who can fulfill your life. He's the only one who truly satisfies. Nothing else and nowhere else can you find satisfaction for the soul. I want you to know as a Christian, every single day should be an adventure with God where we explore this abundant life that God is providing for us. Every single day, we should be waking up realizing, hey, today is a day I get to explore what God is providing for me, this full, this abundant, this blessed life that He gives. Now consider all these blessings. You're forgiven. You're healed. You're redeemed. You are showered with love and mercy. You have a life that is fulfilling. Consider all those things and should not our thanks be uncontrollable and uncontainable? Should not our thanks be constant and never-ending? Should it not be recognizable by everyone who we come in contact in this world? There is something different. They love God. They thank God. They praise God for what God is doing for them. See, thanksgiving for what God has done should be life transforming. Thanksgiving for what God has done should, should provide a life of freedom. It should, should, be, should be seen in a life of unrelenting praise and a life with purpose. And we should every day get up and say, thank you, God, for this day, for this moment, for this time. Jared Wilson was trying to get Christians to understand better the treasuring of Christ more greatly and the savoring of His power more sweetly. He's trying to get Christians to understand that what Christ has given us it should, be, should be treasured and savored. And every day it should grow our thanks for those things. And so he illustrated it like this. He said, imagine you are driving down the road and your car stalls at a railroad crossing. You are understandably nervous as you try to reignite the car's engine, but you become even more so when you see a train turn the corner in the distance and begin quickly closing the gap between it and you. The, crane, the train's engine's horn is blaring and the engineer has thrown on the brakes, but you are too close and he's coming too fast. You move from trying to get the car to start to trying to unfasten your seatbelt, but fear has made your hands stiffen and shake. You can't get your seatbelt unfastened. The train is rushing towards you, and you know you're going to be hit. And you are hit. Suddenly, from behind, 
A man in a truck behind you decides to ram into your car and push you off the tracks, even as he is destroyed by the impact in the very spot you once occupied. You get out of the car, shaken and still frightened. You are terrified by the gruesome scene, in shock over your rescuer's sacrifice. You are grateful in a way that you've never been grateful before. But even in your terrified awe, it feels good to be alive. You feel woozy. You sit down on your trunk, uh, uh, the trunk of your car, and you're trying to retrieve your cell phone from your pocket to call 911 and marvel at how little damage the violent shove did to the rear bumper when you hear a whimper from inside. You didn't know that before you left the house, as your kids were playing hide-and-seek, your youngest son decided to hide in the trunk of your car. And as you open it up frantically and discover he is miraculously unharmed, you suddenly realize the total greatness of the loss you almost suffered. Your gratitude, your amazement, your new outlook on life takes a giant leap forward. I want you to understand Every single one of us were stuck on those tracks because of sin. And every single one of us were saved because Jesus pushed us off through the cross. Are we aware of what that really means in our life? Are we truly aware of what Jesus has done? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Sing it one more time. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy 